Max Hall and Melbourne Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. This is Nat Fife from the Fremantle Footy Club. Trent Cochin from the Richmond Footy Club. Scott Penderbury from the Collingwood Football Club, you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Patrick Cooch from the Carlton Footy Club. It's Rory Sloan here from the Adelaide Crows. This is Tom Mitchell, and you're listening to the Coaches Panel. Hey friends, you got MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant just went unstable just as it hit. That's a good start. Yeah, I noticed that. Here we go. That's all right. All right, here we go. Hey, it's MJ from the Coaches Panel. Welcome back to another episode of the 50 Most Relevant. Is Jack Billings going to be the forward that saves you in 2024? Or is he just going to troll you and not help you? We will discuss his fantasy relevance across Supercoach, Dream Team, and AFL Fantasy right throughout this episode. Joining me on this podcast and video as he has already throughout this preseason, you'll see him plenty in 2024. It's Kane. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, I'm really good, MJ. You keep throwing up these interesting forward options, and I feel like already there's a theme, and there's a theme amongst the community. You're only a few days into the 50, and people are going, maybe I don't need to spend up in the forward line, and all of a sudden the McDonald's and the Fishers and now the Billings are the ones that are getting heavy discussion. Yeah, it's definitely where I'm trending towards in 2024. Let's talk about Jack Billings and why I've got him sitting in at number 46 in the 50 most relevant. He's priced at $243,900 in Supercoach. I haven't seen him that cheap pretty much since his debut season. Just a touch over $535,000. It's 538K in AF, while he's just a touch under $400,000 in Dream Team. Last year in Dream Team and Fantasy, an average of 60.6, no tons, and a top score of 75. Nowhere near his career high, though. It was a 170 is the best he's ever done in that format. While in Supercoach, no tons, an average of 62.3. 77 was his top score and a career high of 169. Kane, your fantasy relevance can change in a matter of moments, can't it? And it's the same probably in football as well. Saints fans back in that 2013 draft probably thinking, we've got the gun high half forward with penetrating kicking, really smart, savvy, inside forward 50 craft. They're thinking, we've nailed our early first round pick. Little did they know there's a generational, arguably the greatest Western Bulldog of all time, got selected in the spot after him. And so he's been a bit of a journeyman since then, fell out of favour with the Saints and under Ross Lyon last year. But a move to Melbourne could just unlock not just his footballing career, but from a fantasy perspective for us, this could have huge upside and ramifications for us. Yeah, and it probably makes a lot of sense, MJ, with what Melbourne struggled with, which was converting inside 50. So you look at the guys that have left the club we know Harms and Jordan in particular are the ones that have gone. And to bring in McAdam and Billings, it sort of says that they felt like they needed more forward half guys as opposed to midfielders. We know Sparrow and, and Pickett have had opportunities sort of to run through the midfield. We know when they're up and firing, Oliver, Petrarca, Viney, Brayshaw with a Gorn as a Ruckman. Like that's an incredible five guys that you can roll through a midfield. That's just ridiculous. Two really set wingers as well in Langdon and Hunter. And then you throw in the first draft pick being Caleb Windsor, who's a really good outside runner and could play wing, half forward, half back, depending where they need him. So when you see a Billings being targeted with those outs, you think there's an opportunity for him to find a way into the side. And I think with the skills he's got front half, 
he's going to be a valuable player. The hard part is obviously where does the fantasy implications come in? Because we know in the past at St Kilda, he's been a really good scorer and he's been a really yeah. good scorer for, for many years. And he's been a top six forward at times, which is something that not a lot of players can say they've achieved. But the hard thing, which we won't know probably until that round zero game is what is this role? How does he fit into this Melbourne team? And most importantly, what is the fantasy role? Because we know role is really everything, especially these guys that he doesn't have any center bounce prospects. We don't think that's where he's going to be, but does he get a little bit of wing? Is it half forward? Is it predominantly inside 50? Because he is a great mark. He's a really good shot at goal when he's up and about. We just haven't seen that in the last two years where he's been really limited by injury. Yeah, he hasn't. Like if you go back to his 2017 to 2020 years, that's normally for me way too far back to go and go, all right, that's what he's going to do. But it is a reminder for us. We're paying for a guy that really is a 60 in AFL fantasy and low 40s in super coach and dream team. But in that four-year stretch between 2017 and 2020, these are his averages in super coach, 92.6, 80.6, 93.8, and an 89. And then in AFL fantasy and dream team, 94.5, 85.1, a huge 98.5. And even that 2020 adjusted average year of 93.6. So here we've got this guy that depending on the format that you're playing in has anything from 50 points per game of value based on what he has done before this isn't just a forecast hypothetical he might he could it he has done this for us before different team different era lots of things have changed but it's something that he's achieved and when we're looking at forwards in this price range, as you mentioned at the top of the episode, there's already been a bunch of these guys that we've highlighted through the 50 most relevant, and possibly there might be a couple more to come, is he's done something that some of these others haven't, and that is he has put it together not just for three weeks, four weeks, six weeks. He's put it together for multiple seasons, and you're getting him in some formats considerably cheaper. Like it's about 50K more to go from Harley Reid to Jack Billings in Supercoach, which is just maddening when you kind of think of it in that way. But the good news is, Kane, is he doesn't have to go this high, like back in 21 and 22, so a little bit closer. An average of 83 and 75 in AFL Fantasy and Dream Team and 82 and 73 in Supercoach. You've talked about this a little bit on the episode we did with Connor McDonald a few days ago now. Given this lack of top-end forward scoring that we're forecasting will come, that it does appear like it's going to struggle to get more than a couple over 100 averages prior to the DPP additions. All of a sudden, a mid-70s, low-80s average could be enough from what we need from a Jack Billings in 2024. Oh, MJ, 100%. And just on that stretch of years you spoke about when he was really at his best, the thing that jumps out to me straight away, and this is the big opportunity coming to a side like Melbourne that we think is going to be pushing for the real pointy end, Jack Billings in 2017, 11 wins, 11 losses. The average in wins, 101. You jump ahead wow. to 2018, average in wins, 110. Problem was, he only won four games. 2019, average in wins, 104 from nine wins, 13 losses that season. And then 2020, it was 100 in wins, adjusted. So this is the guy that really, the best team he's been part of when he's up and about has been an 11-win team, a 50-50, mm. a team that's fighting for the bottom part of the eight. 
And that's no surprise, isn't it? When you're an outside player and a forward, hey, a bit more supply, a team that scores a bit more. So when you're talking about a guy that really is as cheap as you've outlined, has the ability to score, we've seen some big ceiling games over the past. And really, MJ, you're not asking him to be a keeper for the year. With the value that he's at, a good first round zero to round five. So mm-hmm. those first six games he plays before his bye in round six. And again, one of them is a free hit that we all get to look at and see. But it is really, really possible that he comes out of the gates firing, has that one big score. You know, maybe it's the 110, 120 that would be incredible for that cash generation. Like he's capable of that, especially at a new club where we know often the real boost at a new club is in that initial first six, seven, eight, nine weeks. There might be a hiccup or two as they sort of settle in and integrate into their side. But we've seen that once they get going, they really start almost getting fed to prove that the pick was right. They, it was the yeah. recruit they needed and they want them to succeed. So that average in wins really jumps out to me because I go, it just makes sense. If you're a forward and outside player, you feast more in wins than in losses. It gets really, really tough being a forward in losses. So let's be honest, this is probably the best team Jack Billings has been a part of for a long time. I know they made finals this year, the Saints. But Jack wasn't part of that team, was he? He didn't get to reap any of those benefits with his scores. So when you look at what you want him to do, and like you outlined, MJ, the top tier forwards, we're probably cooling on them, aren't we, as we sort of Mm. delve a bit deeper and we start looking at maybe these guys that are in the Fisher and McDonald and Billings price range. We go, well, maybe maybe they can equal them. Maybe they can be close enough. Maybe they just buy me six weeks of looking at what happens. Is there a, a big DPP coming to the forward line? when we first get those new positions. So all those sort of factors that play and weigh into our decision in the starting squad, Billings might be that guy that gives you that information to go, actually, I don't need to go to a McRae or a Flanders or a Dusty mm-hmm. or whoever that top forward is because Petrarca's coming or maybe Bont's coming or some one of these guys that you go, got to have them. So Billings, when it could, when the cash could be made in a month or six weeks, you can see how very quickly, not only are you getting points on field at a great price point, but you're getting quick cash too. Yeah. I, I want to get in a moment. I want to get your take about this Melbourne forward line and the scoring profile from a fantasy perspective that we see. One of the big kind of knocks on Jack, especially over recent time, has been his inability to get consistently playing at football level. Yes, he fell out of favour a little bit at St Kilda last year, but even just looking at his injury history of last year alone, broken leg, hamstring, broken thumb. Like, unfortunately, there is truth to the narrative that he's got an injury history that's concerning. Two things on that before I get Kane loose on some of this scoring profile. One, we'll say it every time we come through a 50 most relevant with a player with an injury history. Number one is the variable of them Getting injured only further increases with each game played. Therefore, if injury is your concern in the starting squad, it needs to be the thing that probably turns you off them for the rest of the year. Now, that's even if you're trading into Jack at that sweet price point, because with every game played, the variable of injury coming only further increases. So to me, I'm a big fan of if they've got an injury history, you start, 
or you fade them. You don't trade in because all you're doing is increasing your risk profile that you will get that injury game. So bank the scores, bank the cash, bank the points on field that you get, and then don't get surprised if an injury comes your way with a player like Jack. The other thing I'd say is the moment you see anything in the preseason, especially after the Christmas side that we're now in, you see any nicks, any little hiccups, any little delays, okay, then it probably rules them out too. Don't double down on this pain point. We saw it with Elliot Lowe last year. It's probably a really great contrasting point. Value, great role, good scorer. Yes, right price point. Injury hits in the preseason. Man, you just got to fade it and, and start to look elsewhere. Let's talk about this Melbourne team, Kane, because they've got a fascinating profile because he's no longer in this St Kilda team of the late teens that we saw. He's in a new system. You've mentioned that there's guys that can score well in Petrarca, Oliver, Viney, Gorn. He's not going to be anywhere near a centre bounce. You could probably name seven or eight demons that would go right ahead of him. What does this forward profile of Melbourne look and how conducive is it to fantasy scoring, knowing, yes, we'll get a look and see at opening round, but we need four or five, six weeks of him, three, four, five price movements, or at least a couple of really significant ones to make this worthwhile. How do you see this forward line working and can he score in this team? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Well, that's the funny thing about the Melbourne forward line, MJ, is the best forward they've got from a fantasy perspective was Neil Bullen last year at 72.6 across the year. So that's not a really attractive number, is it? If you're sort of thinking that Billings is going to be fighting with him, obviously there's different roles within that forward line that those guys are going to have to play and and Jack's one of them. But you see a 72 as sort of the best forward. You drop down to a Sparrow who does get some centre bounces, but he's predominantly forward. He's a 67. Fritch and Pickett are 63. Again, different roles. Pickett gets more into the midfield. We know Fritch is a guy that can have five touches and he's more than done his job if he kicks three goals, which he can do. And then Chandler was down at a 57. I think the encouraging thing for Billings, though, when you do look at those guys in particular – there was runs and stretches where they were dropping tons. They were dropping regular 80s at times. The hard part for Jack's going to be conversely, and clearly when your averages are in the only the low 70s to high 50s, there's going to be some floor. There's going to be mm. some floor. And that's what's really worrying. And that's where probably round zero is so helpful that you'll get a look. Again, Pickett's a guy that popped a 120, popped regular 80s. Neil Bullen had stretches of 98, 90, 97 a couple of weeks later. So there is impacts. I think that one, what's round zero? What's that number that you really feel comfortable that he's kick-started that cash? And then what are you hoping for in sort of the next two to three to four weeks? I don't think you can even think about having him past his buy in round six. Mm. If, if he's shooting the lights out, and he forces your hand and you've got a better trade to do or you've got an injury or suspension to fix, so be it. 
But I think when you're planning, that's your exit point. I think if he was at 85 through that long, you'd be absolutely stoked because history would show that in this Melbourne team with the role that he's likely to have, we think forecasting at this stage, he's going to start to revert to the mean and he's going to start having the 40s and the 50s regularly. So I think that's the thing that's really fascinating. That's what round zero is going to be huge for is if he gets an ADMJ and we go, mm. wow, you know, that's 40 points of value on what he's priced at in Supercoach and DT. But what am I doing here? Because I haven't seen round one or round two. The prices haven't started moving yet. It's going to be really interesting what line you set yourself. Because as a forward, it only takes, you know, a couple of quick tackles that maybe you don't get another week. You kick straight, you know, you get looked after in the forward line with a teammate handball and you're on over the top. Their volatility is crazy. So that's probably the thing that scares me Yeah, is I don't think like a Fisher and a McDonald, there's sort of the safety in scoring role. Like this forward role could really be anything. And that's probably the thing that makes me go, you want to see a really good round zero score just yeah. to think that you can ride at least a couple of weeks because I'm not convinced based on the history of these Melbourne forwards Billings is going to finish the season above a 75. I think that's where I'd go, wow, I'm, I'm surprised. Anything low 70s, I sort of feels about right. But it really could be a high 60s and he's done his job, as in for the team. For the team, absolutely. I, I look at this forward line as a whole because it's not just Billings about what he can do. It's Billings in contrast to what the forwards around him are doing too that makes him relevant. Because you here you talk about this 70s average that might just be the ceiling of what he does over a eight, 10, 12 week stretch. Yes. You've highlighted. There's the potential of a three or four weeks of 85, 90, 9,500. Sure. But it's not just about billings in isolation. It's what's happening with all the other forwards in this spot. And it's one of these interesting conversations and opinions I'm seeing early in the preseason from the fantasy community. And it's this line around the forwards of I've got to pick someone So why not pick X? And it's generally in reference to someone in the top 15 sort of priced players. Um, And for me, while I understand the sentiment, I actually think there's some flaw in that process because you don't have to pick someone up at that price point. We've already mentioned a few guys in the 50 most relevant. Zach Fisher yesterday with Minimoke, yourself um, having a conversation with Connor McDonald. And then there's even just off the top of my head, Taylor Adams, Rochelle, um, gosh, Tom Lynch and that Fife. Like if you, you really want to have these mid-range guys that have shown they can do it, there's a bunch of other names. And then there's the cows. I think all these guys will play a lot of games early in the year. Sean Manor, Chris Burgess, Harley Reid, Zane Dersma, Tom Emmett, Finn McRae, Jai Cully, Jed Walter, Darcy Wilson, and Nate Caddy. And so all of a sudden, we've got this line that 12 months ago it was... How deep can you go with premiums? Is it four? Is it five? Can you start with all six? To me, it almost feels like the complete inverse in 2024 came, which is how little do you need to spend at the top end of your salary cap? Invest that in either rucks, premium line mids, some top end, really nice top end options in the back line too. And you know what? In the forwards, take the value, knowing that someone will pop out of it. And it's for me, I always prefer to do sideways across rather than do a total restructure what's your take on how this forward line appears to be spewing out for us so far this year well MJ I think that's the thing that 
is appealing for the Billings, the Fisher, the McDonald, and that's why they had to be in the 50 most relevant is, as you said, it's likely that one of these guys will emerge. It might be someone that doesn't even make the 50, such as how these these players sometimes just pop out of the blue and have a role we didn't expect or someone gets injured and they inherit a new role. So I think that's what is appealing is if he doesn't work out, Jack Billings, again, if he doesn't work out, work out after round zero, he's going to be very lowly owned. Yeah, he has a good enough score around zero that entices people to start him. Great. If you have to jump off two rounds later, I think you're going to have plenty of options that aren't too much of a stretch to get to, whether it's slightly up, slightly down, a rookie. We know the ones that people really struggle with is premium comes out of the gate slow. Mm. Say in this hypothetical example, it is a Jack McRae because he's going to be popularly owned because, again, he's got more than enough runs on the board top-priced guy, which is always sort of inflates it a little bit, doesn't it? Especially with the casual fans, MJ, as they go through picking the team. Why not pick a Jack McRae? Those are the ones that I think we just struggle to let go of because you go, this was the guy I wanted for the season. You're telling me after a week or two, I have to drop him down, say in this example, to Jack Billings? Mm. Yes, I get some cash, but this could be a massive problem in two weeks that I've got Jack Billings. You don't have that real surety that you've nailed that selection for at least probably another month. And that can be really, really scary. And if you're spinning those trades and not progressing the team, well, that's where you just fall completely behind. Whereas if it's billings that you have to move to a fisher, Mm. it's quite painless and you don't probably sweat those type of decisions because you know that the premium can come out and burn you in a week. If they have the 140 plus game, all of a sudden that 85 average is back over a hundred again. And, um, You've got another problem of how do you fix them? So I think just from a confidence and playing with your team and your exit points and your parachutes, whatever you want to call it, this is why the Billings, Adams, Rochelle, they just give you a bit of comfort going, yeah, if I'm wrong, there'll be someone else that doesn't completely curtail my trades or force me to make a premium down or a premium up, like or just making you have to do stuff that you probably didn't want to have to do. It can be very painless with this price range of going, didn't work out with Billings. Well, I'm on to Fisher now. I've seen two weeks of him. I think that's just a comfortability that you can build into your squad. And I think if you're not sure, you'd rather do that, wouldn't you, MJ? You'd rather have the two mid prices and go, if it works, unbelievable. If it doesn't, well, one goes to a rookie, one goes to the primo that I've missed. And then you're away again. Whereas in the opposite, it can be really troubling if that primo is struggling you go, geez, I could have saved 200K here and fixed something else up. So I think that's what we always wrestle with. And that's why mid-prices, they are so appealing because there's so much upside because of the value they start at, whether they're a breakout like a McDonald, role, massive role change like a Fisher or someone like a Billings that's coming back to prominence after showing a lot, being injured and now at a new club. Yeah. So really, these are the key things you need to hold on to with your decision process with Jack Billings. If there's any injury lag that happens through the months of January and February that have any kind of delay, fade and go. No interest, jog on and start looking at these other forwards that Kane's alluded to, as well as a bunch of others. His opening round, should he manage his way through that period safely? His opening round, ultimately, it becomes the determining factor. With that round not counting from a price movement immediately, for us before our squads are locked away it gives us the opportunity in all formats to really have a free hit 
build what that is in terms of a scoring threshold and a role, contrast that to what's happened with other players in that similar range. And based on those variables, you either choose to, yes, I'm going to maintain this pathway of billings or I'm going to fade and look elsewhere. If he keeps passing through all these things, Kane's been really quite bullish on round six as the spot ideally to jump off barring a career hot stretch that is undeniable in those opening five rounds it's probably your exit point is that enough cash generated for you it might not be but every year is different and needs to be treated accordingly with all the other data variable inputs that are coming in so opening round and pre-season injury ultimately determines his future at the very least he needs to be on your watch list. He needs to be considered. And that's what this time of year is all about. Let's talk about where he goes on draft day, Kane. I know some are kind of hoping he could go as high as a top 10 forward. While it's in the world of probability, it's definitely on the low end. If you were to put some, uh, you know, put a Mars bar on it, you'd be probably hoping it's a fun size Mars bar. You'd be putting up for that. It's not a lot of confidence there. I know the forwards are thin, but to me, if I was picking Billings any higher than an F3, I still feel even an F3 feels nervy to me to say he's one of the top 30 forwards. Because to me, there's a lot of upside of other guys around him that could potentially slide into more favorable fantasy roles. And then the other thing is Billings could always be a, a vest candidate and hit some of those basement games that you talked about of 40s and 50s. So where are you taking Jack Billings on draft day? Well, I reckon he's one of the most interesting players, MJ, in terms of the difference between salary cap and draft. Salary cap, the appeal is round zero. It's the look. It's knowing what score he's got and what role he's got and going, yeah, he can get me to his buy, make enough cash at the price point, and then I'm jumping off. That's my expectation. And I do think in a six-game stretch, especially when I know the first score before I pick him, I think it can be 80, 85 in that six-game stretch that he'll play before that buy in round six. This is the big difference, though, for draft. And like I spoke about with the Melbourne forwards, I've got him pegged between a 70 and a 75. And I don't see across the course of a whole season him being above a 75. So for me, he's probably down with my F5, really. And in terms of taking chances in the draft, there's a lot of other guys that I go, you know what, if it breaks right for them, they've got the upside. Like clearly a Fisher and a McDonald for me, they have a much, much greater chance of being 80 plus with the current roles that we think they could have than a Billings. Again, yeah. the difference there is that they're not round zero players. They're not going to give you that sneaky look ahead. So these are all the different factors. So for me, Billings is probably more down at an F5. I just don't see him being a league winning pick in draft. I don't, I don't see it being sustained enough I think he's a guy that you're constantly flirting with a loophole. He's the last guy on your field. You're playing the matchups. He's not someone I'm having utter confidence in at this stage. So for me, F4 would be the, that's probably where I feel like, gee, I'm pushing it here. Mm. And really what that probably means for me is MJ's, I'm shopping everywhere else. There's going to be a few forwards I clearly target that I think can make the jump. But if it's sort of Billings and a lot of other guys that are sort of around that part, I've got no problem taking that second ruck that might pop and be a trade value or another mid and defender because I just feel like with the forwards, as we always say, you can live on the waivers with the forwards. And I wouldn't be surprised if Billings is someone that 
that he's drafted and then he's on the waivers in a few weeks of the season. And then he has a good stretch and he's off and then he's back on the way. Like he feels like one of those type of guys to me where you, he's going to be held sometimes, he's going to be dropped sometimes, he might be vested. Um, if that's still happening, we don't know yet if it's going to have just five <laughs> on the on the bench. So again, that's where I probably lose a bit of, a bit of appeal. Whereas in the salary cap, it's, it's so great because it's so simple. See round zero, what's the score? What's my expectation based on that score for the next few weeks? How much cash? Is it worth the risk? Are you in or out? Happy days. Yeah, I think that's a beautiful summary of what Jack Billings looks like for us on draft day. Kane, you've been a superstar. I'll try not to give you a mid-range breakout forward for the next time we have you on this episode. Thank Anything you. Anything you need, MJ. Anything you need. Oh, I appreciate your work. Hey, if you want to go and check out the article on him, it is available for you now at coachespanel.tv. We've also got the YouTube channel rolling where you can watch these episodes back and be able to see exactly how much I react to Kane telling me how good the Melbourne forward line is going to be. You can check that out every single player that we reveal in the 50 most relevant in fact every podcast we do is going to be also available for you in youtube form got a quick clue for you about who's next in the 50 most relevant but make sure if you haven't already follow us across all your social media handles all the details of where you can find us and join the conversation in the community are found in the description of this episode and if you want to get day early access to the audio podcasts of our 50 most relevant, then all you need to do is join our Patreon supporter group at either the breakout or premium tiers, and you will get access to that as well as a ton of other additional rewards, exclusive group access, different levels of competitions, extra articles, podcasts, and access to the coaches panel directly. Come to all of our Patreons, depending on the level. If you want to become a Patreon, you can find the links for that again in the description of this video. Just in the past day or two, Matt Q, Chloe W and Josh have all jumped in at that premium tier. So we thank them for their support. If you want to become a Patreon, check out the description of this episode for all the details. We'd love to shout you out and thank you for your support for the coaches panel in 2024. All right. One last thing I'm going to ask you to do before I tear the clue. If you follow us on Spotify, and on Apple Podcasts, and you haven't left a five-star rating and review, could you do that for us? It's one of the great simple things you can do that helps others find the coaches panel. So if you haven't done that yet, take 30 seconds out of your day to do that. If you're like, I can't join the Patreon, can you do that and help support the coaches panel in that way? We'd greatly appreciate it. All right. Who's next in the 50 most relevant? I'm going to head back to the midfield. So often we preach value in the preseason. But I'm not hearing value in the midfield as much as I'm notoriously hearing before. I look at this player, and while he's yet together, you know, putting together a premium season, for two-thirds to three-quarters, he's done it. He's a guy that's got ceiling. He's a guy that is in a team that has incredible opportunity. And while there's some concern in the fantasy community that he won't even get midfield time I'm not concerned about that whatsoever and the impact it might have on his scoring for me he could be one of the most relevant mid-price midfielders for us who is he you will find out tomorrow in the 50 most relevant Here's the